1: Well, all the hospitals in the central Ohio area have had a Captain Obvious moment. We will share that with you today. What does the suspension of the abortion drug mifepristone mean for uh, ghouls in Ohio who would like to abort their babies chemically? We'll cover that as well and give you the latest on the Louisville shooting when a press conference commences at eleven thirty today, welcome to a Tuesday edition of the Bruce Woolley Show. Nice to have you along on ninety four five in Dayton and ninety eight nine here in Columbus. If you've been going to a hospital to visit someone, or if you do business in hospitals uh, in Central Ohio, uh, by the end of the week, you won't be hassled anymore to wear a mask. I'm astounded this is necessary to be said, uh, but it is. A friend of mine who is a doctor. Uh, let me know this last night, and another friend in our text group uh, is with a company that goes into hospitals frequently in the course of their business. Uh, For three years, you have had to wear a mask unless the people policing that activity were sane and realized that the pandemic was long over or that masks didn't do any good. Uh, But Nationwide Children's Hospital, they got ahead of the curve. They ended their requirement. Yesterday, Ohio State's Wexner Medical Center, Ohio Health and Mount Carmel Health have all agreed to implement a new policy on Friday. Oh, good. Oh, good. Now, you will still likely in some departments be asked or forced to wear a mask. And this does not mean that the uh, end of masking in hospitals is over, even though they tell you they're looking at the data. And the data they're looking at is that they had just 55 people hospitalized uh, by COVID currently. Uh, Back in January of 2022, the peak number was 1,200. So the number has come way, 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 way down. And so they decided, okay, we'll do away with the mask wearing. Of course, we all know because you're a conservative and you're listening to this station and you've Listen to Rand Paul Hassel Anthony Fauci, and you've listened to uh, Dr. Joseph Lodopo of Florida, the Surgeon General there, uh, talk about the data. And you know that the vaccines never worked. They never protected you. They never kept you from getting infected. You know all that, but man, when you are married to a narrative, and boy, the central Ohio hospitals were, uh, it's hard to give up your delusion. We see it all throughout our culture. We see it all throughout our society. Why should our hospitals be any different? Uh, They should be different. They're supposed to be educated people. They're supposed to be highly uh, qualified academic people who have a dispassionate view of these kinds of issues, should look at the numbers and look at the latest research and should see "Hmm, masks really don't do anything. And besides, you can't get the protection we thought you could get from the vaccine. So this is the kind of thing that's just going to have to burn itself out. And natural immunity is a good thing, so maybe we should uh, encourage people to not, Live in such fear, but no, they have perpetuated the myth that masks do something other than just make your life incredibly annoying. Uh, the head of the uh, hospitals in Central Ohio is a gentleman by the name of Jeff Klingler. I didn't even know they had a Central Ohio Hospital Council. I guess it makes sense. More committees, right? Committees solve everything. Uh, Jeff tells the Columbus Dispatch that time will tell. Ooh. Smart guy. Time will tell. You think of that on his own? Don't know. Uh, I wish I had a crystal ball. Yes, don't we all? He said hospitals don't want to ping pong on the policy. Okay, then don't. Then don't. If you don't want to ping pong on the policy, don't. Give up your phony security, Jeff, that masks do a single thing. Oh, wear them in the operating room. Yes, we understand the veracity of that. But otherwise, just give it up. give it up. I know it's hard. It's like your favorite little stuffed toy when you were a kid. It's hard to give it up. But give it up. It doesn't work. It never did work. And it's silly. He says, if there were to be a serious outbreak of COVID or influenza cases next fall or winter, we might revert back. But that is certainly not the goal. Okay, well, goody gumdrop for you. So you're freed of your mask prison if you are going out. Um, What about the hullabaloo about the mifepristone drug that a judge in Texas, a Trump-appointed judge, said the FDA did not approve according to its process. And therefore, the drug may be suspended for prescribed use by women who want to kill their child, chemically kill the child they are rearing in their wombs. What does that mean for abortion-thirsty pregnant women in the state of Ohio? Well, it kind of depends what the courts do with this ruling out of Texas. If the ruling is overturned, uh, those of you who are in denial that that is a baby inside of you and who want to prioritize your own uh, promiscuity and Um, convenience over the truth that that is indeed a child, then you'll be able to get the drug and you'll be able to combine it with the other drug that was used in almost 10,000 abortions in the state of Ohio in 2021. Which the 10,000 abortions, 9,891, were 45% of all abortions. So about half of the 20,000-ish abortions done in Ohio in 2021 were done by this drug, which now, for the moment, until there's an appeal and an overturn, and hopefully there won't be, that drug's not available to you. The other drug, it's a two-drug regimen, the other drug is available to you, and the uh, FDA says it's totally safe to abort your child by taking only the second of the two drugs that have been prescribed for the better part of a decade. But the side effects will be worse if you take just the second drug rather than the first. Now, those of you who saw the movie Unplanned, the story of Abby Johnson's progression from pro-abortion advocate to pro-life advocate because she finally, after serving in her role as the head of an abortion clinic in Texas, finally actually had to participate in an actual abortion and saw the depravity and the callousness with which the doctor and those around him performed the abortion, and it made an incredible difference in her life. It literally lifted the veil from her eyes, and she saw what she was advocating for. Uh, Those of you who saw that movie saw in that movie, before Abby Johnston's, Coming to clarity on the issue of abortion, you saw her have a chemical abortion. And it was gruesome and ugly and uncomfortable to watch. And it seems from the research that I have done that doing abortions chemically with just the second of those drugs would heighten the misery and, yes... The danger to the patient of doing it. But it is hard to reason with a group of people who do not prize the life of the child inside them, that they may, may, I don't know, I'm not a researcher, they may either heighten their own suffering or may put themselves at greater health risk from complications or the like by taking just the second drug, which is still legal. The second drug is called misoprostol. It's hard to say, hey, something bad might happen to you. Well, if they have a very jaded view of life in general, such that they don't care about the life of their child inside them, it's odd, isn't it? They probably have a very, very, very heightened view of their own life because that's the life they're trying to protect from the inconvenience in their mind. But the actual truth of it is that, a great blessing of having a child. I got the chance over Easter to hold a little baby for about an hour. Man, what a treat that was. Uh, my uh, my nephew just about a month old. Uh, it was awesome. And that's why the anti-abortion movement is so successful when we can get pregnant women to view an ultrasound, see that's an actual child. So uh, this drug, I hope, is not allowed to be used for the next week. It will drive the pro-abortion people absolutely positively crazy, which is always a good thing. And more importantly, rather than just driving them crazy, it will save lives. And I would also argue it will greatly bless lives. Because if you are unable to get an abortion and you then have the child, you will eventually, probably very soon, understand what a great blessing it is to be favored with a baby in your life. Someone that depends entirely upon you. Someone who gives you unconditional love. Someone that changes your perspective on your own place in the world and causes you to become far less selfish and far more selfless. All of those things are good things. So hopefully that will transpire from the uh, suspension of the ability to prescribe this abortion drug. So we talk a fair amount here on the Bruce Hooley Show about education in the state of Ohio. It is uh, not nearly as good as it should be, uh, not nearly as good as it could be. as we do not have universal school choice. We don't have anything even close to universal school choice. And we have an effort by the governor of the state to take over the State Department of Education, uh, which has itself been somewhat of a train wreck for the last year or so. Now, uh, well, there's another derailment in the way the State Board of Education operates. The interim superintendent of public instruction, a woman by the name of Stephanie Siddons, has announced her departure from the post. Now, she is a two-time interim superintendent of the state board of education. And she is bailing. And I can't say that I blame her because if someone were trying to eliminate the department or the entity, not the department, but the entity uh, over which you are uh, in charge, uh, you might be wise just from a career standpoint to be looking for another gig too. And Stephanie Siddons has found one. She will be, I presume the second in command of the Upper Arlington Schools. It's a cushy gig. Upper Arlington Schools, sorry about it, are not nearly as good as they used to be, also not nearly as good as they could be. You could say this about almost every public school system in the state of Ohio. This is a outgrowth of wokeness entering our schools with trans flags and prof- uh, and uh, um, obscene books and... Uh, completely uh, detached logic and the death of common sense. Uh, I'm not blaming Stephanie Siddons for that. Uh, Though, if she's joining forces with people in Upper Arlington, I am a bit suspicious about the kind of person who could get hired for an elevated position like that in UA. But she's leaving because Governor DeWine wants to bring the Ohio Department of of Education under his control. And so she has announced her resignation, but she hasn't said when she's going to leave. She's got this other job offer, but it hasn't been, I guess, formally tendered or she hasn't been formally approved or whatever. Uh, But she says she is leaving to uh, do what everyone says they're leaving when they don't want you to really know the reason why they're leaving for family reasons. Uh, Ohio has not had a permanent superintendent of public instruction since September of 2021. As I said, Stephanie Siddons has twice been the interim superintendent, in between for 11 days in May of 2022, Steve Dakin was the state superintendent. But turns out Steve Dakin was a member of the state board of education. Then he was on the committee looking for a new superintendent. Then he applied for superintendent. And that looked funny because, well, somebody who's on the committee to find a new superintendent then becomes the new superintendent. There's bound to be an ethics investigation over that one. And so uh, Dakin could not hold on to the position. So we don't know where the State Board of Education is going, and you know where I want it to go. I don't care if it's the State Board of Education. I don't care if it's Mike DeWine taking over the State Board of Education. I want the citizens of the state of Ohio to get what Florida has, what Arizona has, what Iowa has, what Oklahoma has. True universal school choice. It is the only way to hold our public school superintendents, school boards, administrations, teachers. It's the only way to hold them accountable if they have the threat of someone leaving. Now, this is not an Ohio school story, but it is a classic public school story. It comes to us out of East hampton massachusetts where they were also looking for a new superintendent and they had it narrowed down to two candidates including one named dr vito perone and they really liked dr vito perone so much so that they started to negotiate the last thing in the whole dance you partake in to hire a new person which is the salary right you're negotiating the salary okay Tell us, Dr. Vito Perone, what kind of salary would you like? So Vito Perrone responded to the email from the two people from the Board of Education who were leading the search, both of whom were women, and Dr. Vito Perone addressed his email to these two women about the salary that he wanted with a vile, disgusting, intemperate intolerable word. Do you know what he started his email with to these two women? If you have kids in the car, you might want to cover their ears. He started his email to these two women with the word ladies. Oh, the humanity, ladies. Uh, The head of the committee, Cynthia Kwasinski, and the executive assistant, Suzanne Colby, Interpreted Vito Perone's use of the word "ladies" as a microaggression. Yes, a microaggression. Kwasinski told the local newspaper that she and her fellow committee members believed it was, and I quote, "extremely unprofessional and inappropriate for Perone to address her, the chairperson of the committee," and I quote. With a familiarity that he had not earned. He addressed her as ladies. Now, where I'm from, lady is like a step up from woman. Woman is generic. Lady is, like, to me, somewhat interchangeable, but also conveys a certain degree of respect, which I don't find it to be uh, out of line at all. I probably wouldn't... Yeah, I probably would have said ladies. Both of them? He erred, in that they wanted him to address them by their titles, which I think sounds kind of disrespectful. Uh, Here is her quote. It is true that I was insulted by the familiarity with which the candidate addressed me and the committee's executive assistant in correspondence that was part of a salary negotiation. While I speak informally most of the time, if I am addressing a public official, especially in written communication and even more so if engaged in salary negotiations i would always use formal titles the salutation ladies raised concerns among most that the candidate might make administrators and teachers feel uncomfortable if used in the future instead of calling them by their names or titles well this hit the fan and they had a big meeting last night of the east hampton massachusetts board of education the whole community came out to protest how stupid this was for them to reject their top candidate for superintendent be the head of the school system over the residents kids and you know what that board of education didn't care a bit they rejected Vito Perone and they moved on to their other candidate of course they did